Mark chapter 1, we'll start in verse 40 and read to verse 45. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The foulest made clean. Join me there, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was going in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Join me as we pray. <clears throat> Father, we need your help. We need you to break in in a way that is beyond us. We need healing and hope. Holy Spirit, would you please make it so this, this story drives home the truth of the gospel. Help your people so we walk out today with the joy of the Lord as our strength. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Some of you will remember this in the 1980s. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker built a worldwide empire. Televangelists and prosperity preachers. Built it not too far from here, the old PTL. You also will remember that at the end of the 80s, that empire came crashing down. And the rot of their tawdry lives was put on display for all the world to see. Turns out they had cheated faithful people out of millions of dollars. In the meantime, they had been unfaithful to one another, cheated on one another in their marriage. So that they ended up not only being criminals but were pariahs in the world of Christianity. Even today, Jim Baker operates out on the fringe of respectability. But back then, back then in the 80s and early 90s, if you were a serious Christian, you didn't want to be anywhere near those people. They were radioactive as far as solid Christians were concerned. And in the middle of all that shame, Jim Baker wrote a book, the title of it, I Was Wrong. I read that book. 
And in that book, Jim Baker talks about the time when he was fresh out of prison and he ended up at an event. There at that event was the most famous and well-respected Christian in modern-day history, Billy Graham. And he says that Billy Graham did something different than every other, every other Christian he knew. Most Christians tried to get away from him and looked away from him. Billy Graham happened to look across the room and looked right in his face. Baker says that at that event, Billy Graham waved for him to come over. He shook his hand and in front of thousands of people set him down right beside him for all the world to see. Now, in a higher, holier, more glorious way, that's similar to what we're seeing in this passage. You can find this story in the book of Luke, but the way Mark tells it, he pulls the camera angle down on just two people. He gives us this story with just two characters involved. A leper, a man that has leprosy, who is outcast, ostracized, and suffering. And the second character is the compassionate Lord Jesus. The compassionate Jesus who never steps back from filthy, wayward, hurting people. And whenever the compassionate Christ meets up with a yearning sinner, what happens is instantaneously and completely the sin is gone. Now this story... <clears throat> This story, as Mark tells it, is given to us as an actual event. Jesus actually did heal a leper. Although this story is an actual event, it is good for us to understand it as a metaphor. A metaphor of Jesus coming and touching the ugliness and stench of our sin. Jesus coming to bring healing and forgiveness. Now, most of us in this room, we could name several people that are involved in our lives, that have had some sort of influence in our lives. What I want you to do this morning for the time we have together is to bring the camera angle down in your life to just two people. You, unclean, and Jesus pure. What happens when you meet the compassionate Jesus? I'll tell you what happens. Jesus makes the foulest clean. What I want to do today is just take these two. Let's make them our points. Two, two points this morning. One has to do with the man that has leprosy. The other has to do with Jesus Christ. Both of them represent for us what can happen in your life. Here's the first one, number one. We need, we need to see ourselves like we really are. 
Not the way the culture sees us, not the way the world sees us, not the way people at work see us, not how your spouse sees you. We need to see ourselves like we are. You see it there, don't you? I read it in verse 40. It starts out like this, a leper. Verse 40, a leper. You don't touch a man with leprosy. The man in question could have had any number of skin diseases, up to 70 different skin diseases in the Old Testament that would be described as leprosy. Even Hansen's disease, which is what we know as leprosy, a terrible, a terrible disease that you lose the, the feeling at the ends of your fingers and toes and skin. It's an agonizing disease. For that man to have leprosy, it was an absolute death sentence, and a death sentence that was amazingly slow to be fulfilled. In the ancient world, it was probably the most dreaded disease, a slow and terrible way to die. There was no hope for it. If you had that disease, there is no cure for it. There was no comfort. There was no joy. Josephus, who was the Hebrew Jewish um, historian from antiquity who gives us so much color how we understand the day and time. Josephus says for us that um, to, to be a leper is no different than being a corpse. A lot of you this January picked up the Bible and started reading it through. Genesis, you have lots of stories that you know, very familiar creation. You have all of the patriarchs. Exodus is exciting. And then you get to Leviticus and you wonder, what happened? Leviticus. It's hard to get through Leviticus sometimes. The, uh, some of the rituals and they start talking about these skin diseases and you're trying to have a devotion, reading your coffee, you need another cup of coffee to get through Leviticus. Leviticus 13 and 14 outlines for us the lifestyle of a leper. How would they live out their miserable lives? What do you do if you're a leper? You had to wear tattered clothing a certain kind of clothing tattered so that everybody would know you actually have something wrong with you. You had to take one piece of that linen and wrap it across your face at the bottom part of your face covering your mouth right up, right up under your nose. If you were walking down the path and you came across a person, as you approached that person, you had to start doing this, unclean, unclean. You had to live your life alone, away from people. You couldn't go into a walled city. You never could go into Jerusalem. You wouldn't see the temple. You had to stay at least 50 paces, 150 feet from every person you saw. The man in our story is a pitiful man. It looks as if this disease has run its ghoulish course. This man is living a sadly dark life. He is ceremonially unclean, which makes him feel even God don't want to be close to him. Separated from the religious life, estranged from his family, devoid of friends, out of money, emotionally destitute. Look, don't, don't touch a leper. He isn't just unwell, he is unclean. He's the walking dead. There's no hope for tomorrow. There's no real cure. And the truth of the matter is, 
outside of Christ, we are all spiritual lepers. Disfigured, twisted, distorted by sin, the walking dead, no hope for a cure, no promise of joy, nothing to look forward to, and then one day, something happens. We see him over there, the second character, and he's not named yet, he's not named, but we know he's there. You see it in verse 40, read it all in verse 40. The text says, and a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling, and he said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. There you have it. There is faith. He came to him. That little phrase, he came to him. There is faith. Somehow this leper heard of this man, Jesus. I don't know how he heard of it with all the restrictions. Somehow he heard that this man could make him well. He ran to that man and he believed. I want you to join me here. Put yourself in the text. Put yourself here in this man's rags and take on the faith of the leper. What kind of faith did he have? Let's talk about his faith. What kind of faith did he have? Well, the first kind of, the first um, adjective you might use is he had a directed faith, a directed faith. The text says that he came to him. He went to him. He broke every rule of, every rule. He broke every form of protocol. He didn't care what people thought. He went to the only one that could give him hope, the only one that could give him healing, the only one that could cleanse him, the only one that could give him life. Look, he didn't even know if Jesus would do it or not. What he'll say is, I know you can if you want to. Now remember, 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 don't let people talk to you about whether or not you've got strong or weak faith. Remember, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object your faith. The weight is not on you and your faith so that you can generate in yourself if you have enough faith. No, the weight is on what is it you're believing in. It's not how strongly we believe, but how strong what we are believing in is. Have you directed, have you put, have you directed your faith to the only one who can save you? Now, here's a good place for me to talk about the gospel, how you actually become a Christian. So that if you were here today and you're not sure, like you hear the talk about Jesus, how do you go from being a, not being a Christian to actually being a Christian? I'll, I'll explain it to you very quickly. The Bible teaches that God created us in his image. You are created in the image of God. The image of God in you has been disfigured by your own sin. Sin is that which offends God. It separates us from God. It's what got Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden in Genesis 2 and 3. It's been a problem since Adam and Eve. That problem is not just that we are separated, but we're even worse than the leper here. The leper's a metaphor. We're even worse than he is. But God doesn't leave us in that condition. God is a God of love, even as he is a God of justice. God loves the world, the Bible says, in such a way that it gives us Jesus. Jesus comes. That's what the Gospel of Mark is about, Jesus. And Jesus will come and do what we should have done. Adam should have been in perfect fellowship with God. 
Sin broke that fellowship. And so what does Jesus do? He comes and does what we should have done. Everybody here got something you wish you had, you wish you would have done. You wish you had fought off temptation. You wish you should have done. Jesus comes and lives perfectly. He does all of that. He does that as a man because man is the one, man is the one that fell away. Jesus comes as a man, as a representative for us. He not only lives for us, the Bible tells us that it goes to the cross. Why the cross? Remember, God is also just. He must punish sin for him to withhold justice. To, to hold it up, he's got to punish sin. And the way he does that, he pours out his wrath on Jesus at the cross. Look, look if you're struggling, God is not judging you. If you're in Jesus, if you're a Christian and you're going through something hard, that is not God's judgment on your life. The judgment you deserve has gone on Christ. You're not under judgment. You might be being disciplined as a father, but you are not being punished as a judge. Jesus died on the cross, and there he took the wrath of God for all sinners that will be saved. God raised him from the dead on a Sunday. It's why we go to church on a Sunday. That is the confirmation that the sacrifice has worked. And the gospel says, if you will believe, like this leper here, believe. It doesn't have to be a strong faith. It could be the faith of a mustard seed. Believe. It's a directed faith. But it's not just a directed faith. Join me there in verse 40. Notice that it's a desperate faith. Do you see the phraseology that Mark uses in verse 40? That the leper came and he is imploring him. That word is parakaleo. It is calling out, help! Pouring out his heart. Confessing his desperation, his need, confessing it all and completely aware of his condition and how much of a dead man he is. I think we take conversion too lightly. We don't talk about it strongly enough. This is why I hate the prosperity gospel and the false gospel and the cheap gospel and every other kind of gospel out there. It's why I hate it because I, I don't think we... I think people hear something that's going to make them feel better and they're not really converted. We don't ever come to the grips. We don't ever come to grips with the fact of how desperate our condition is. Have you come to the place in your life where it's not just you want to feel better and want something to work out. It is you are desperate. You hate the condition of, you hate the condition of your life. You believe that only Christ and Christ alone, this is a, a directed and desperate faith. Look at him there in verse 40. He's not only imploring, calling for help. The text says that he's kneeling. You see this, you see this pleading. Look at this pleading, humble faith. Verse 40, he's kneeling. A better translation of that is that he has dropped on his hands and knees. Begging. It's a physical picture. Jesus is high. This man is low. Here is abject humility. Here's the understanding. I don't have anything to offer. I got nothing to give. I got no bargaining chip. All I have is need. Have you thrown yourself on the mercy that is Christ? This pleading, humble faith of the leopard. There's something else about his faith. It is a, it is a trusting faith trusting. Finally, he speaks in verse 40. Look what the leper says in verse 
40. What he says to Jesus is interesting. Imploring him, kneeling, he said to him, and here's the quote, if you will, you can make me clean. Now let's start at the back of that phrase. You can. You have power. I believe you have power. You are sovereign. Here's what the, the leper is saying. I think you have power to do what nobody else can do. He was convinced in the power of Jesus. He wasn't sure about the mercy of Jesus. You can do it, but will you do it? Nobody ever offered him help. Look, it's sometimes easier. It's sometimes easier to believe in the power of God than it is the mercy of God. It is sometimes easier to believe in the, the strength and the sovereignty, have this great doctrine of how big God is, to believe that than it is to actually believe in the mercy. Do you know this is what shame, this is what shame does. This is how Satan uses shame in people's lives. Satan uses shame to convince you that it's going to be so bad if you ever actually confess that, that God might not actually forgive it. This, this leper, he came and he knew about the power of Jesus. He just didn't know if Jesus would actually do it. Do you believe, do you believe that he will cleanse you? It's the mercy of God. But before you can get there, what we have to do is we need to actually see ourselves as we are. It's a lot of attention on the leper. Let's turn our attention now to Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? Number two, here's the second point. We need to see Christ as he really is. We need to see ourselves as we really are. It's true, worse than a leper. We need to actually then go to Christ and see him as he really is. What a picture of the living Lord Jesus there in verse 41 what do we see about him? Well, here's the first one you'll notice, that he is indignant at sin. Indignant at sin. He hates sin. Notice the phraseology. Verse 41, the text tells us that he was moved with pity. It's a strange and unusual reaction. In fact, that little phrase, moved with pity, in other translations, it comes off as he was angry. Paul Tripp, the great counselor, Presbyterian preacher, wrote lots of good books, whatever Paul Tripp writes, get it, read it. He's wrote about marriage and parenting, great writer. Paul Tripp translates this as the angry sympathy of Jesus. That, that Jesus is, he sees this leper, he, it's not just that he feels sorry for him, that doesn't help, feels sorry, there's something else. He, he's overwhelmed with his anger at sin. Jesus infuriated at the fall, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, committed sin, that sin didn't just affect them, it affected all creation. It's why we live in this world that we live in, like it is. The terrible effects of the, of the fall, like you felt it, you've seen it. Some of you have wept because of it. How sin has wreaked havoc and destroyed lives and hurt people and devastated society. And the text here says he looked at that 
that leopard, he's, the, the literal word is he felt it in his gut. Some of you know all too well, you've been there. You, you, you've, you've, you've seen, you've had a child get hurt in some terrible capacity, or God forbid you've lost, you've, you've felt. It's more than just sadness. It's Jesus. He's, he's bothered. Jesus looked at this man and he feels it. Here he is, the empathetic. Here's the empathetic, righteous Savior. Every one of us here, all of us have felt in some capacity, we have felt the effects of the fall. We felt it in our own lives. We know our own heart. We know our own minds. We know our emotions. We know our sinful nature. We know the actions that we've done. And Jesus comes and fills that. An angered sympathy. Something else about Jesus, keep looking at him there in verse 41 and 42. We see Jesus as a compassionate Savior. A compassionate Savior. I love verse 41, how it says, how Mark writes it. That Jesus is moved with pity. Look what he does. And he stretched out his hand and touched him. Why didn't Mark just say he touched him? Mark drags it out for us. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Nobody had touched him in years. Not a handshake, not a pat on the back, not a, not a hug from a family member. Jesus could have looked at that man and just said with a word. He just could have just healed him with a word. We're going to see him do that later on in Mark. But instead, why, why did Jesus reach out his hand and touch remember you don't touch somebody with leprosy the, the prevailing thought at the day was if someone with leprosy touched you that foulness flowed toward you but not with Jesus Jesus you have the pure touching the impure Jesus is not going to get what he's got. He's going to get what Jesus has got. You have this radical, inter, this radical intervention of grace. Don't you love how the Bible tells us that our Redeemer, he does not stand at a distance. He comes and touches. And Jesus takes the isolation. He takes the curse. He takes the shame. He takes the defilement. Jesus comes and touches the ugly, the stench, the foulness of sin to bring healing and forgiveness and hope, the touch. Something else about Jesus, keep, keep looking at it. He's, he's merciful. He's compassionate. That's one thing, but he's merciful. Let me read verse 41 and 42 together. Finally, Jesus speaks. Verse 41 and 42. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, he touched him, and he said to him, I will. I do, want to, I do want to heal you. And then he does it. Be clean. And immediately, write it down, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus desires giving mercy. I will. Then he brings mercy. Be clean. And that mercy, it takes effect immediately 
immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. Here you have the instantaneous removal of what you might thought. You might have thought it was going to be permanent. That you're always going to feel like this. Some of you have had things happen to you that it feels as if that is going to be a permanent condition in your life. And it's been some sort of crippling effect. Maybe you were sinned against. Maybe you were the one committing the sin. Maybe you've been wrapped up in some twisted, I mean, in our culture, sexuality has gotten so twisted. Maybe that's, maybe that's where you've been. Maybe you just overcome it. Maybe you're just mad. You're just angry. You don't think you'll ever get rid of this sort of besetting sin. And Jesus comes and touches, and the purity flows that way. The holy God of the Bible has given us a, merc a merciful Savior in Jesus who instantaneously takes away a lifetime of sin and pain and regret. He's merciful. But there's something else here. There's a, a picture I want you to see. Something else we find about Jesus, and that is that he is our substitute. Substitute. I intended on this being a third point when I first started studying it. I decided to bring it in just into two, but I do want you to see it. It's a long passage, and there are other things here, but let me just read. The, the main thing I want you to see is down in verse 45. I've got a couple of things to point out on the way, but that's where I want to land in verse 45. Let's start in verse 42. <clears throat> And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Here's, here are two commands. One is, don't tell anybody. We're still seeing this, the secrecy of the Messiah. Don't tell anybody. But go, here's the second command. Go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. I got hung up there. Why did he tell that guy to go to the priest? Why go to the temple? He ain't been to the temple in years. Who knows how long? You go there to the temple, what Leviticus said, the books of Moses. You fulfill all of that, and the priest is going to declare you clean. You're going to be welcomed back into society. You'll get to see your family again. You might even get a job again. Here is Jesus giving him a command to go and be restored. But there is one command he didn't obey, and that was he started talking about it. Verse 45 tells us he went out and began to talk freely about it. He spread the news. He did what Jesus told him not to do, and what he did, his disobedience, had consequences. Verse 45 says that it was so bad, now Jesus can't even go in, into the town. See verse 45? Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but he was out in the desolate places. Now stop there. Stop there. This story, we'll move on from it. This story shows Jesus and the leper trading places. Let me show you what I mean. When we met the man with leprosy, he was isolated. He did not have people. He was living out in a desolate place. He meets Jesus. 
Now as the story closes, the leper is now cleansed. He is accepted into society. He is restored. And according to verse 45, now Jesus is on the outside in the lonely, desolate place. And as the story closes, we see the gospel displayed. Christ redeems us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. You know what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is any man hung on a tree. Or more clearly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see it? He will take on himself our sin and our sorrow and our shame. In return, he gives us his holiness, his forgiveness, and his righteousness. You know what this story tells us? This story tells us that Jesus makes the foulest clean. For that to happen, we need to see ourselves as we really are, worse than the leper. We need to see Jesus as he really is, a Savior, compassionate and kind and merciful. And we need to come to Jesus. This morning as I close the, the time of the sermon and get ready to sing, I want you to invite me in a moment. I want you to uh, I want to invite you in a moment of prayer and just think with me on some of these things. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? I want to ask you a couple of questions. One is, will you this morning come? When we sing this morning, will you come to Jesus? There's some of you here that you felt the shame that's kept you from it. And you've heard Jesus will take it. Will you come to Jesus? Will you humble yourself before Jesus? Will you see yourself like the leper saw himself? Will you call to Jesus? Will you come and trust Jesus? Will you today be made clean by Jesus? In a moment when we sing, if you'd like a pastor to pray with you or for you, why don't you come forward? If you want to come and pray for someone you know is in the bondage of sin, you want to just come and pray for yourself. And we sing this morning, we'll invite you to come forward. Father in heaven, thank you for this story that gives us a picture of the gospel. And I pray by your spirit, you apply it to the hearts that need it. Make us whole, give us joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand please as we sing together?